report back to me when, uh, I don't know, when it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Hello, and welcome Jacks. I'm Tom Owl, Craig Pampas on the board. SB Futures up 11. NASDAQ Futures up 8, so we're going to try and run up again today. Um, do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning. How are you? Uh, doing all right, I think. It's Friday. What could be wrong? I uh, I have to rant at you a little this morning, but that's okay. You you're always up for it. Um, you're going to rant at me, huh? Two nights in a row, I've had uh, your name has been front and center as I was out uh, doing research for Stocks and Jacks. What kind of adjectives went in front of my name? Actually, pretty good. All right. The first night was your your buddy Polly at the Tripoli. Well, he's a good guy. Yep, and uh, last night I actually, there was a, a Doc Doherty sighting. Oh, no kidding. His wife <laughs> out of town, so I, I, the, the list must have been empty. <laughs> Somehow it got down to me. <laughs> we went out and <laughs> <laughs> But um, always good to see Doc, uh, find out what's going on in the city. Uh, asked how you were doing. I said, you're doing fine. You're on the show, and a lot of fun, and we joust constantly back and forth, and it's... Uh, Keeps me young, and I usually win. I told, I told, you know, just so yeah. You know. So you lied. Well, I just, you know, embellish just a hair, you know, it's okay. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, I was listening, watching you guys tweet back and forth about the Irish last night, and I watched some of the game. Thank you for letting me know it was on. Uh, to me, they look like a high school team, but that's another story. But it, it has nothing they, to do with they, they pretty much are with the number of freshmen they're playing. <laughs> they're pretty close to that. I. Uh, but I, what I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit, because we got all kinds of other stuff to talk about here today. But uh, my my first thing is when when people, uh, and I'm sure I do this sometimes, but I don't try to. When people are talking to people and writing stuff, they really should get their definitions correct. You know, I pull into the lot this morning, minding my own business, and one of the, and one of the and one of the guys on the, the radio says, some some company or some group is donating a boatload of turkeys. For Thanksgiving, so that that's a good thing. So I'm not, I'm certainly not complaining about that. He said something about we all know turkeys can't fly. And I'm sitting there going, "Well, that's bull. Turkeys can fly." What, what the guys? What's the guy talking? It's, it, it's that's a uh, WKRP in Cincinnati reference. Yeah, but obviously they can fly. Matter of fact, well, yeah, but 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 you're you're missing the joke, Tom. Oh, I'm missing the joke. Okay. 
Okay. So, so do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's I, like very the, vaguely, vaguely. One of the all-time great shows is the uh, the station uh, owner. The, the station manager's um, is is the owner's son, and you know he's kind of a um, do, doesn't do much. So he really, really wanted to be in charge of something. So he decided to be in charge of the uh, Thanksgiving promotion. So. The, what what they wound up doing, and, and it's great the way the uh, the news guy calls this. Um, uh, but the uh, they 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 send a helicopter over a shopping mall, and it's Happy Thanksgiving from WKRP, and they start throwing turkeys out of the, out of the uh, um, uh, helicopter. Oh yeah, well they can't fly like that. <laughs> right, they can't fly like that, and so it it winds up being a mess. And then when they get back to the office, the news guy says it was like the turkeys rose up and 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 had a counterattack. It was it's a really funny scene. Oh, God. But then at the end, uh, out walks this, this this the owner, and he says, "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly." Well, they can fly up to so like a hundred yards. That's the punchline. Yeah. That's the punchline that you that you didn't you didn't ah. get the pop culture reference. So you didn't know what the guy was saying. Because turkeys actually have very few, of any, natural predators. Because they're mean suckers, and they can peck, at, peck away at you and then fly up to 100 yards. So that's to, why we eat them, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, well, they're, not, they're mean they, birds. They, they would just as well eat us if they gave uh, them the opportunity. Pretty much. But, hey, uh, last night I, w- I was looking at the... Uh, I had read some of the... Knowing that we would be talking today about some of the NIL stuff and where this is going. And this is... This is it's so funny, Kevin, is that the... The branches of economics that there are there. There's the Hal side, that is super mathematics and digging into numbers and stuff that I was, I never really took. I was never really good at, and I could never debate Hal on that stuff. I mean, he just, I mean, that, that's econometrics, that whole kind of side of the, of the of the even even Russell with the business economics stuff. But then there's behavioral economics, which is a social science, and it, and it talks about people's behavior and just being able to predict not when or how, but how if you follow the money, how things are going to happen and what is going to happen. And people will be constantly outraged when you make these predictions. But you know what? I don't think I've ever been wrong on one of these. Now, I, I, I could have been wrong by a decade, you know, type of thing. But I, mean, I looked at years and years ago when I was a, a young guy coming out of grad school, I looked at Cabrini Green and I started seeing all the... Uh, Gentrification happened on the north side, and they go, "Hey, that's a piece of property that some people are going to want, and somehow, somewhere, someday, they're going to get it." And it took a while, and all of a sudden, it's gone. Right? I mean, you could, you can just make that. If there's a, you know, you looked at Harlem in uh, New York, and uh, you flew over it, and you saw how close it was to zillion-dollar housing, and and on the Upper East Side and wherever, and you go, somehow, some way. <laughs> This place is going to get gentrified, and despite all the musics and the romance and all the other BS, now it's gentrified, right? I mean, Brooklyn, same way. I mean, you you can make these calls, and I uh, I've been watching this NIL stuff, and it it is I and a, I think a, a boatload of other people have been able to predict this just walking down the line, and what's going to happen, and how this is going to play out, and I don't think any of these schools even though they teach the same stuff that they're supposed to be. I think they ought to get in class for a while. I don't think they get it where this is all going. I mean, you look at the difference in Michigan between they're willing to break every single rule in the book for football, pay anybody, pay people to get into stadiums, cheat 
pay whatever they have to. And now on their basketball team, their center gets outbid by Kansas, and they seem shocked. They, they don't seem to be willing to, at least yet, do the same things for basketball. And maybe they never will, you know. But that's the point. Is and I when I see this kid, but what, what they're what they're actually doing because th- this this comes true in, in in the real world in business too, is they're building a culture where it's real easy to leave for the money because that's what the, that's the messages they're delivering to their athletes every single day. Um, is it, it, they're they're telling them that it's all about the bucks and don't worry about the rest. And you know, okay, to a point, you know, I I I, I get that, but um, but you, you want you need there to be something more. The same thing you need there to be something more when you're running a business. Uh, that doesn't mean people won't leave you for the money, but you at least have to make it a hard decision. And and when it's close, you want them to you want them to stay because that's it. You know that continuity and that uh, that kind of. You know, well, just the you know, for no other reason, the cost of turnover is, is well, so but high. Well, that's where that's where I'm going to go with this in a, in a second, because I, I of course, I, I was mind expanding on the way in this morning, which got it's dangerous. Uh, the, the person we're talking about, and this this is alleged, because I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I don't know the guy's attorney or anything, but allegedly, well, not allegedly, the guy left. His, his name's Hutchinson, right? And he left Michigan, where he was the starting center, and he's real good, right? And he went to Kansas. Isn't that the story? Uh, what was it? It's not... Um, God, what is the guy's name? I thought it was something-something. But he... Anyway, he's starting for Kansas. And he's real good. Now, the I just Googled a little bit last night. Of course, you can come up with a lot of crap on the Internet. But the, the thing I found, and please tell me if you know I'm wrong, Greg or, or Kevin, that he was disdaining the fact that he wasn't even making hundred grand a year at Michigan... NIL, and the rumor now is he's about 275, 280 at Kansas. All right, so he makes the move. And of course, he can. You know, you don't have to sit out a year or anything anymore. So he does it. Now, what I'm saying is uh, just as business. Dickinson, by the way. Dickinson? Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson, okay. Dickinson, Huckinson, what's the difference? It's, it's kind of, I kind of moved them together, didn't I? Instead of Hunter Dickinson, I just made him Hickinson or whatever the hell I had for him. But that's. Showing age, uh, e. So anyway, now you you too could be president of the United States. Yeah, no kidding. Um, oh no, I'd be. Uh, oh, I'd be. They, they wouldn't let. Oh, me. You're still too loosened. Sorry, yeah, but they, they, they wouldn't want me there. <laughs> Need another ten years on you. <laughs> I'd like to say, wait, wait, wait. How, how did you roll that one by me? Uh, but you know, the thing that gets me about the basketball versus football. I, mean, I one of the greatest lines I've ever heard on, on TV or or movies, and there's been a million of them. And uh, it was when, what was it, the Boardwalk Empire? When the mayor started to get a little sleazy and he, they, they knocked off over a, uh, a shipment of booze coming in or something. And he, with his, you know, and he said, okay. Well, then they evidently they knocked somebody over the next day. So the kid, well, he was young. So the kid who did the knocking over, meaning robbing, walks up to Nucky and he hands him an envelope, cashing it. Nucky goes, you know, what's, what's that? I, I, uh, I didn't have any part of this. And the kid says, you can't be half a gangster, Nucky. You're either in or you're out. And I honestly believe that what a great line that is because when it comes to... Now, if we're in this economic game, and the reason why I kind of know this, Kevin, is when I went to University of Chicago, my whole my whole tuition for two years it was about on the same par as Notre Dame. It was like 3200 a year 
for tuition when I went. Now, so that, what is that, six grand for two years, even though I, I went there in the summer, so I didn't pay six. Anyway, uh, one class now is way more than my whole tuition. Well, when I got out of school, you went anywhere. There, there wasn't a, a, a business that wasn't happy to pay the six grand to, to send their executive through the executive program or their younger guy through the, the uh, 190 program at night and pay the six grand. Everybody did it. And without, without, without any problem whatsoever, it was like taking people out to dinner. All of a sudden, as time went by, and this went from 6 to 8 to 10 to 12, now all of a sudden people are going, wait a minute. And if you left the firm the first year, you had to pay like half of it back. The second year, maybe a third of it back. They didn't just want you to get your degree and the next day give them the letter of resignation. It got to the point where, hey, this is starting to cost like a quarter million dollars or some, some huge number. Well, actually, it's, what is it now? Seven grand a class times twenty, so that's one hundred and forty grand, not a quarter million. So, so it's one hundred and forty grand. They're not about to let you take that money from them. And oh, by the way, you're out now. You, I'll bet if, if you leave the first year, you owe them like eighty percent back in some places now or something. So it, it reaches that point where I, I think, and I'm just telling you from what I, my economic, that this kid now to get him at Michigan. Who the hell knows what they did? Now I'm not—I don't know if the uncle got a pickup truck. I, I actually know a little about his recruiting story. Okay, but I'm saying, what, you know, excuse him from the thing. I'm saying Michigan has now a big investment in this kid. Two or three years of education at seventy grand a year, whether he went to class or not, who knows? Maybe they—they they paid it somebody. Maybe the family got a new pickup truck. Maybe something. And all of a sudden, he's gone. I have a feeling, despite what the NCAA says. These kids are going to be signing nine competes for getting this money because they're not worth crap as a freshman or anything like that. They're, what is Michigan probably had already sunk 150, 200 grand a kid as a freshman? Most kids are useless to Fred, right? And how much has Notre Dame got sunk in these guys they're playing now? And the minute they get good, they're going to go somewhere else for a bigger number? I, I, I'm telling you, the Irish are smart enough to say, wait a minute, we're not doing that. There's going to be a nine compete, there's going to be something. Well, don't, or am I just. By just reeling oh, off but, it, but, but the non-competes—it's—it's it's a third party paying them, so that's where the non-competes got to come in. I'm saying is, is you you have to pay some of it back. You have to do something. We're we're not, we're not we're, in other words, we're not going to develop you, pay the family, do this, do that, recruit you, do all this thing, get you through two years of school with with tutors and everything else. And the second anybody thinks you're a good ball player, you're gone. That I, I I'm just saying that will not last. How how it shakes out or not, I, I'm not smart enough to say, but that will not last, Kevin. It will not last. Just, yeah, just specific to Hunter Dickinson, though. Okay. He went to DeMatha High School in, in D.C. That's where uh, Adrian Daly went, right? Uh, yes, I believe A.D. went there. It was Mike Bray's alma mater as well. And he was Bray's big recruiting target out of that class. And for a long time, it looked like he was going to choose to go to Notre Dame. Um, then, uh, um, and this, you know, what, how, how this worked out, I... I I'm trying to remember what sport she played, but his girlfriend got a scholarship to Michigan to uh, uh, to play a different sport. So oh, do I remember uh, this? Okay, go keep going. Yeah. So so he he uh, he, he that, that and and uh, don't discount that Michigan hired Jawan Howard, and so he also as a as a big man, as a seven footer, had a chance to go play. Um, you know, to be uh, developed by a uh, NBA guy. So I, I wouldn't discount that as a big part of the equation as well. I won't say it's all the girlfriend, but that had to make it a little bit uh, easier. 
what I would say about Hunter Dickinson and his his money mistake was was this. He could have he could have gone into the draft as a freshman. He he came in as a freshman. He was really good. He uh, he averaged about 14 points a game. I have his stat line up here, and so he averaged about 14 points a game. He came back. He was still very good, but he was. You know, he, he always, you started, the longer he played, the more you started to see what he can't do as well as what he can do. Um, and, uh, and and it probably affected his draft stock, so he came back for a third year. Well, at this point, you know, I mean, he, he, this is definitely a guy who would make more going to the NBA. Whatever else you want to say, the NBA, that, that pays really well. You know, if you're a first-round draft pick, you're going to make money. I, I think the minimum is over half a million dollars a year, so I don't think NIL is what's keeping him in in college. I don't know all the reasons he chose Kansas. That may be some of it, but I also think there's a lot of people who would love to go play at Kansas, especially if you're going to be a starter right away, because it's a high-profile program. You're going to have great teammates around them, and, and last year's Michigan team was a big disappointment. They were 18-16, 11-9 in the conference. They just weren't very good. So, you know, I, I don't know all of uh, why he would have chosen Kansas. I did know that he went to Kansas, but I, I don't know the whole story about that, whether it's all NIL, whether it was the opportunity to play in a place where they just packed the joint every single game. I, I think there's a lot of factors in there um, uh, more than NIL. And, and I will say this, I didn't expect NIL to be a bigger factor in football than it, uh, than it is in basketball. I thought basketball was going to be where the real high-profile ones Look were. at the difference between the, the crowd in a Notre Dame football game and a basketball game. Well, I, I understand that. I, I, I understand that. But, um, but in terms of national exposure... Most guys get more. The the top players in uh, in college basketball get way more exposure than the top players in, in college. Boy, football. I don't know. A kid in Southern Cal's doing pretty good. Well, it, yeah, and and he's doing he's doing well, partly because he got a lot of exposure last year. But I don't think he got a lot of personal exposure. I think what happened is somebody signed him up for a commercial, and he's really good at it. You know, he's, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, he's, I'm, he's good in front of the camera, and so now everybody wants that. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but, but but I will tell you that very few having having covered basketball, both and not just the Notre Dame guys, but the you know the guys on the other, uh, other teams as well. Having done that for a long time, most of the guys in that age group are pretty boring, and and they're, and they're not going to be great in front of a camera. So I, I agree. Some people you know, have personality, I, I that, some that's don't. That's just true all the way through. We're talking about eighteen to twenty-two, eighteen to twenty-three in that range, and you know, there, you know, every once, a, it, it seems like every year on every team, there's one guy who really stands out, and I can, you know, go back through the, through time and say, you know, this guy was really fantastic, um, you know, and and this guy was not so. There's always a guy like in the in the animal house. There's always an otter. Somebody has a personality. Yeah, there's a, a Tory Jackson, a Pat Connaughton. Uh, you know, guys like that that were that are really good, and there's there's also some guys that are not, you know, that big bubbly outgoing personality per se. You know, not not the guy that you're going to want to stick in front of the camera, but that it turns out when you have a conversation with them, they're really interesting guys, and that would be Demetrius Jackson or B.J. Beecham or something like that. So I, I really enjoyed interviewing those guys as well because they were really good. 
but you get the occasional guy that just really stands out. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk. The only, the only problem you have with uh, when you do the numbers stuff, the economic stuff. I didn't want people to get booted out of Cabrini Green. I just knew it was going to happen, and I think a lot of other people did too. What I'm saying, well, although, although Tom, we did need another solution. <laughs> well, I, whatever, I, whatever else. This whole idea of putting everybody, all the poor people, in one place—I I get it. Bad idea, which is what we're doing now, by the way, with the uh, uh, illegal immigrants. Um, all right. So what I'm saying is, if you just if you just take the numbers aside, I don't know anything about his girlfriend. I don't want to know. But I'm going to say there have been times, or there could be times, that the girlfriend got a scholarship because they wanted you to get a scholarship. Oh I'm yeah, not, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that 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 happened. Well, there, there have been times when they'd hire the kid's dad as an assistant coach. I, well, all I'm saying is, when the investment starts to get big enough, just like the tuition at the University of Chicago, there's going to be a, a, a tag on this kid. You can't just the day you have a good game go somewhere else for more money. We have an investment in you, and hopefully, is one of the one of the. Uh, uh, contributors to the show because he moved to a different area he hasn't been in a while um, when he was in high school very bright guy he used to tutor some of the uh, uh, football players that maybe weren't as bright in math and uh, matter of fact he said he had a lot of trouble getting some of them through very basic math but but he did and uh, they would go to some school you know and miraculously the uncle would show up in a brand new Ford F-150 and somebody else would have something else that was nice. And his point was, there's no way <laughs> on, on signing day that the kid says he's going somewhere else. Because all of a sudden, what did, what did the godfather say? If he should fall off a chair and break his knee, I'm going to blame somebody in his room. <laughs> um, there's no way that these people were going to give somebody that kind of money and then say, see a chump. I, mean, I, actually, I actually know of a guy uh, very specifically who... who uh, uh, who said, yeah, I'd like to change my mind, but I was told that the people who who paid me for my commitment are not the kind of people you want to cross. I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bet, if, if, if it's any kind of a decent board, Chris, who knows who's on these, these college boards and so forth. My, if I'm on the Michigan, of course, Michigan's got all kinds of other trouble, but if I'm on the board and I see this kid leave for, if it's true, he's getting 100, 180 grand more to Kansas, I'm going to want to know. I'm to, I'd like to drag the athletic director in there and say, from day one, what are our expenses for this kid? I just want to know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making policy. Now, whether the guy would tell me to buzz off, I'm only a board of director guy, I don't know. That's why nobody would want me on the board. I would write him a letter and say, from day one, give me a total cost of him, the girlfriend, everything that we paid for this guy. And, you know, I... I'm going to say that if we start doing that, if they start doing that, you're not going to have schools, Kevin, that, that constantly do things what you think and I think are the right way. You said it yesterday. You said it this morning. Uh, Notre Dame's got this young team. All right, so they're investing, they've got this, they're traveling, they're doing all those right things. And all of a sudden, two years from now, three of them are gone, say, to the same team for a lot of dough. Nobody's going to put up with that forever. I don't think. Do you? I'm, we're just going to go pay the best guys on five teams every year, for, and we're going to pay them a hundred grand more than they are, and we're going to leave these guys with this half a million dollar sunk cost. I don't think that that dog hunts forever. I just don't. Oh uh, yeah, and, and and Tom again, 
think of think of the sunk costs in a lot of ways. If you're going to do the fully loaded cost of tuition, room and board, yeah, in most of these cases, the marginal cost is much much less. But why why would I use the marginal cost? Why would you? Because if you want to know what it's really costing you, then you would be working on the margin. I, 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 you're you're going to have the class whether he's enrolled in it or not. You're going to have the dorm. And you, in, unless you are just completely full and there's no more room, and you, and so somebody else can't come to the school, then you use the fully loaded cost. But if, if you know, if you're talking about a dorm room or any of that kind of stuff, then the question is, is there space in there anyway? Because then the marginal cost of having well, okay, now, that, now you come very, down very low. Now you come down to the part where, uh, and you know, I'm pretty good at this this marginal cost stuff. It's what I did for half of my life. I'm going to say if you have a school, first of all, I, I know that the actual cost of educating me or you at Notre Dame was not our tuition. I get it. Well, maybe it was then, but it sure as hell wasn't now. I get it. But I also know if you got a waiting list of 100 people and you, you take up a spot, assuming you're rational with your, with your spots, if you take up a spot with an athlete, well, the person who's the spot you're taking up is going to, is going to give you a 70G. Even though your cost is only 30 or 20, you're still kicking away to 50, right? Yeah, but are you taking up somebody else's spot? Um, if you got a waiting list, <clears throat> the answer better be yes. I, I tend to think with the athletes that they are over and above whatever else is on there. I don't know if they're over and above. I, pounds I, don't, <laughs> I don't think they're taking anybody's spot. I would. I would. I think. I think the the uh, the basketball and the football team and uh, and and so on are all. You know, they're, they're the difference between. Uh, you know, uh, ten thousand and ten thousand one hundred. All right, uh, the boy. You but could the ten thousand is the ten thousand. You could you could surely get somebody like me to argue that one. If you were to say these guys don't sort of count because they're special, and I go, wait a minute. How many people, men and women, do we have on scholarship here? And you're, and, uh, and the answer would be 500. 500 times 70 grand is a lot of dough. You, can, you can't just pull those spots out and say they don't count. It, it, it depends on what you would do with those spots if they if you didn't give them to the athletes. I would think you put somebody in there who pays. Why wouldn't you? You would not necessarily do that. I would, I'm telling you now, they would not necessarily do right. that. Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll go to break and we'll get off this. I'm just saying, well, my, my point is, Kevin, as we go further down the road on this, once you open up a can of worms like this, the worms are liable to go anywhere. What the, what did, what did uh, was it Shakespeare? Cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war. You know, you, you can't control them. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? By the way, Here, I, here's your next question: Did Dickinson graduate from Michigan? Um, I don't think he did. Did he? I thought he was a junior or something. I'm not sure. I, I repeat the question. I don't know the answer, but I'll look it up on the break. Well, then here's here's one for a young guy like Greg. You know, Greg might be some kind of an athlete. Actually, Greg was a band member, but. Uh, and, and, and by the way, how much how much revenue is he responsible for too? So you know you got to net that out, Tom. Whatever cost you uh, attach to him, um, you you probably need to uh, right, figure well, out what what revenue you can right, attribute right, forever. to the basketball program and him by making the basketball program more successful. Uh, it, what's that going to do? Okay, and then every time I have a him, I got to have a a girls fencing person. I don't make a dime. As a matter of fact, she cost me a fortune flying around the country. Right. 
Well, take, take it up with the fencing program. Well, you know, my point is, for every for every guy who's or, or girl who's making money, you have to have somebody who isn't, right? Especially if it's a guy. And this is relevant to the well, investigation of how much Hunter Dickinson has cost us. I was saying, if you, once you get on this cost thing, it's very complicated. But my, here's my question: Would you rather be at age, let's say, twenty-one or twenty? Would you rather be making two eighty plus uh, and being big man on campus in Kansas and being the star of your team, or being the guy at the end of the bench in the NBA team for half a mil? I think I take a. I, I probably would too. It, you know, it, it'd be a great experience. Now, but if you back up three years after his freshman year, and you were making the decision about, are you, first of all, he wasn't going to be on the end of the bench, so you're creating a a, a false, uh, uh, you know, your straw horse isn't that good um, because he would play. He's good enough to play, even if he's not a star in the NBA. He's good enough to play. He's uh, he's at least Kent Benson. Um, so. Um, uh, so, you know, he's going to make good money. He's not going to make the minimum. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. He's going to get a slotted amount. He's going to make seven figures. Okay. Uh, and so now it, it, it sort of depends on who drafts him, doesn't it? How, what, what if he gets drafted by the uh, Warriors, uh, you know, later in the first round? And he's, and he's playing in the rotation there on one of the best teams in the, uh, in the NBA. Well, yeah, I mean, it all comes into it, but I think a lot of guys – Especially the football guys, I you know I don't know I, I w- w- this would I rather play my senior year at, as a as a tackle at Notre Dame making a bunch of dough and playing twelve games instead of seventeen and I don't know well obviously the kids it partly depends on how you feel about school too if you yeah. hate school you're you know you're leaving as soon as you can well I, I tell you what I think the kid at, at Southern Cal. Uh, you know, he liked what he was doing. He was making a lot of dough. I mean, these decisions aren't easy, Kevin, and they're not well, in front he, of him. He's got it. He has a decision to make because he could come back next year. What is he going to be a twelve-year man? What, what what's his deal? Is yeah, he Southern still, Cal? No, he's he's. This is his second year as a starter there, and he was a freshman at uh, Oklahoma. Now, what year does the COVID year shake out? Does he does he does he have a COVID year? It, it, that doesn't even matter. He's only played three years of college football. Okay. He's only been in college for three years. But there's the, there's going to be no more six-year guys like Hartman now, right, after the COVID year? Just the last That's year? Correct. Yeah, yeah, they're going to go away. They're going to be able, we'll be back to five years. There, there may be one more year of six-year guys. There may be no more years. I don't remember. All right. Well, SP Future's up 11. NASDAQ Future's up 7. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
jocks, Sparks and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. It's Jackson Jackson. I'm talking Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 10. NASA Futures up 6. We're trying to rally up again today. Um, we have been doing kind of a lot of that. We've got the uh, ons up a little bit. Some of the, these rates are zeroing in the mid-fours. Don't look like there's any threat to go to 5 on the, on the 10 year. So market seems a little more comfortable with that than 5, which which they should, by the way. Uh, we've got bonds um, down 3 basis points, 4.41. Like I was saying, they're in this mid-4 range. The blend down three basis points, 2.56. The Japanese, these guys are down another five basis points. They were up to 89, they're down to 74. Doesn't seem like much, but that's a lot for those guys because they really like them down there low. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 126.8%, FTSE up 56.7, CAC around up 63.8. Those guys, even though the FTSE just came positive for the year, like the other day, and they're, they're looking like they're uh, trying to keep going here to the end of the year. We'll see if they do. Uh, Nikkei up 150, about the same as they were down yesterday. It's 0.4%. Uh, Hang Seng down 378. These guys are right back down in the middle of this 17 to 18 range. 17.454. I would like to trade this one, Greg. Every day, 2%, one way or the other. It's a wild one. Uh, Shanghai, up, I'm, almost, I'm almost jealous. <laughs> I'll trade that. Shanghai up 3.1%, so not much going on there. Uh, yesterday, Dow was down 45, SP up 5, NASDAQ up 9. So let's call that an inside day. An inside day. Oil up a buck one, but still 73.91. I mean, it's a uh, it's down so low it's starting to look like up. Uh, Brent up 113, 78.55. Natural gas unchanged 305. Arbob up two cents, 212. Gold has been on a little bit of a rally, uh, rallying again today. Two week high, uh, up 530, 19.92. Is it's tentatively making its back way back to 2000? Where whenever it gets there, it seems like whack, whack, whack. Silver, however, as I mentioned, to everybody. Every time it got to 23 and a half or over, you might want to, well, recently, that was the top end of the range. I never said you should sell it. Up 18 cents, 24.11 on the silver. Wow. Copper unchanged, 370. Copper is not really, Greg was telling me this yesterday. Copper really hasn't followed these other two, has it? Has it, Greg? For some reason, more of an industrial metal. Maybe that's a recession sign. Who knows? Uh, Bitcoin, up uh, 449, 36,408. And the U.S. dollar, which has been. Sneaking down is actually sneaking down a little bit again today. As the euro is up to 108.6, it was 106 something last week. So 2% move in the, the currency is a lot. The uh, British pound is over 124, 124.3. It got down below 122. Same thing, almost a 2% move. Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Good morning, everyone. 6:39 here in Chicago. We've got 54 degrees right now. It's 50 today. Showers in the morning here, breezy and cooler today. Phoenix, 62 degrees right now. 80, partial sunshine most of the day. Traffic inbound Kennedy uh, Montrose Inn is 15 minutes. Inbound Edens, 28 minutes from Lake Cook. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 20 minutes. Dan Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 18 minutes. And the inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 22 minutes. NHL Coyotes win at the Blue Jackets. That was uh, three to two. Blackhawks lose at home to the Lightning. That was four to two. And NFL Joe Burrow sprained his wrist in the second quarter. The Bengals lose twenty to thirty-four at Ravens. So I got Chief back to you. The um, I mentioned earlier, Kevin, about uh, uh, when you're when you're doing radio, TV, writing stuff down. You people that are reading it maybe aren't, aren't exactly uh, PhD students, which none of us are, 
um, you should be sort of careful with what you're 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 saying. And it was, it, I started out with the one about the turkeys can fly. Uh, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan <coughs> came out with a big statement saying that deflation is coming. So deflation would be coming. Walmart CEO Doug McMillan said. Prices have fallen, especially on general merchandise and on some key grocery items. Yet the discounter struck a cautious tone saying customers continue to watch their spending. Um, don't you think? I try not to, but... I mean, okay. don't, don't you think that maybe that the people we have running our places, and he's certainly a key guy, should maybe take a, take a class in economics before they say this stuff? Just saying just, I mean, just, what, I mean, I'll ask you, what, what is wrong with his, his utterance here? Well, since I didn't hear it, um, I don't have any context, so what is wrong with well, it? Well, he, he's talking about how the price of eggs and those kinds of things are coming down. And essentially, consumer demand is coming down in his area. And the prices at Walmart, because consumer demand is coming down, because, you know, uh, prices have to do with supply and demand, um, he's absolutely correct. There's probably a very strong chance that in those areas you're going to see prices come down some. Now, my question to you is, is that deflation? Well, it, it's the general price level that will determine whether it's deflation. deflation. That, that's exactly right. I mean, he's talking about his price level. He's not talking about the general price level. Now, if he believes the general price level is going to uh, fall, that'll be interesting because that's going to mean a heavy, heavy downward shift in demand. Uh, I'm going to say that since there doesn't seem to be any move on the Fed whatsoever to drain any money out of the system, the chance of the general price level going down is about the same chance as me being a jockey today at Arlington Park or whatever, Sportsman's Park. Giddy up. Yeah, giddy up. That, who do you want, nobody want to beat that horse. Now, where, I'm, where I'm going with this is, Say, for instance, a, a simple example. Say we all live in a in a nice community like where Kevin lives, and we all you know we have our salaries and whatever our pensions. In one day, you know Kevin's the mean mayor, and he decides to up everybody's car. They don't. They never had any any sticker for the window on their car like you have to have most places. No, uh, we don't have it here. I'm saying so. All of a sudden, Kevin the mean mayor says. Right. All right. In fact, I've lived in I've lived in a few states, and Illinois is the only one I know that has a sticker. Okay, keep going. Yeah, well, by the way, cities a, a sticker's a city thing, not a state thing. You know, uh, I, I understand, but it's but everybody has one. Right. So okay. So Kevin, the mean mayor, says we got a budget deficit. We're going to make it up by a thousand dollars a sticker. When everybody grudgingly, uh, he all of a sudden has to have an armed guard around him, whatever. But the thing goes through. So he has to pony up a thousand bucks for the new sticker. Which means, most people say have forty grand after uh, extra money to spend. Thirty grand, pick a number. Well, if the number's thirty, it's now twenty-nine. Okay, so the every time you go to the store, probably everybody is going to have one less one less night out, assuming they go out at all. So if you're the saloon owner or the restaurant owner, you're going to see a decrease in demand, and maybe. You might have to lower your prices to compete with other people if it's a competitive industry. But has the general price level gone down? The answer is no. So when you see in Illinois, I think today, was it today, Greg? They're voting on a massive rate increase for North Shore gas, people's gas, these guys. Right? If that goes through, 
to the ten dollar a month is it nine or ten bucks a month per household or per 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 something if that goes through of course all those ten dollars is times the hundreds of thousands of houses is going to be a giant sucking sound on what people can now spend at Walmart. Not a giant sucking sound, but a small sucking sound. There, there will be no, and if all of a sudden demand for chicken at Walmart goes down and he has to lower his price to compete, that doesn't mean that the general price level is down at all, does it? Well, just what oh, you were well, saying, Kevin. Oh, of, of course it doesn't. But again, I, I, I need to hear what the guy, you know, with the whole context. I, I, I don't know if he meant he's expecting the whole thing or if he's just talking about Walmart. He's talking about Walmart, but I'm saying the, 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 the article, to write the article properly, which you always do when you write, it should be that because of price increases in other areas of the economy, it could mean that the, the less revenue they're getting at Walmart could mean that prices at Walmart for some staples might go down. That's the correct way to say it, right? That sounds right, yeah. Okay. But but I don't. Does anybody think that the general level is down? I mean, come on. Well, the the one thing I will say is that Walmart is probably a better barometer than most about the general price level, simply because, um, simply because they sell it just about everything. Right. Oh, I get it. I mean, uh, but I, I guess I'm not. I'm being my usual stumbling around here. But even the gentleman I had uh, dinner with last night, uh, Dak, he says his wife is a Lexus or whatever, and something, something was wrong with the Lexus. She takes it into the dealer. He goes, I don't, he goes, I don't even know what was wrong with it. It was like several grand. You know, <laughs> he goes, I don't even know if they fixed it. <laughs> I don't know what was wrong with it. I don't know what they fixed. I mean, I'm saying, Kevin, some areas have seen price increases dramatically. I mean, somebody with a, with a car payment of a grand a month, I think his Walmart, his Walmart marginal money he spends at Walmart is down, don't you? Well, yeah, it probably is, and, and it's you know th- this is the what makes you you know when you get the kids in the store, this is what makes you start saying no when they say, oh, can I get this? Um, you know, when look when your when your checkout bill gets to be a certain amount, you start really squeezing. Um, and yeah, absolutely, that's what happens. You, you know, you, uh, you you start looking at every single price on the on the shelf. I mean, I it, it is it is stunning when you see or hear every day. It has to be at least once a day. And these are on, these are on national news shows where somebody will say the price of gas is down. All right, I'll do the calculation one more time ad nauseum. The average person drives 12,000 miles a year, 1,000 miles a month, 20 gallons, miles to the gallon, 50 gallons of gas a month, which for most people is probably high. All right, so whether gas goes up or down a buck, it's 50 friggin' bucks. To most people, it's nothing compared to a car payment or a car that went from 40 grand to 90. It's nothing compared to your health insurance. It It just happens to be when you put gas in your tank, you stare at the price. In terms of of, unless you're a truck driver or a salesman, it, it means nothing to you and me, Kevin, does it? I mean, I'm not saying 50 bucks doesn't mean something. It does. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, yeah. it, is, it is not anything to do with, you know, if, if your electric bill goes up 20, I'm much more worried about that than I am about the price of gas. Just saying. Yeah, so let's, so let's, let's talk about two things that you just mentioned. One is, yeah, when people say it, it the president yesterday said, 
uh, we've reduced inflation by, I don't know, some very large number, 60% or something like that. Um, so, you know, good job. Good job, Mr. President. <laughs> All right, he's, um, re he's reduced the rate of inflation by 60%. He didn't do it. It is down since he's been in office. But the price level is still up since he got well, there. Well, it was up. First, it was up when he got in office. So, you know, uh, so <laughs> the, uh, the uh, net, you know, what what's the price level now compared to the price level when he got in office? Um, it, it's it's just, you know, they're, they're preaching to the stupid or to the un uneducated, let's say pre preaching to the ignorant. Uh, the other part of that, though, and that's kind of interesting, is that uh, because you mentioned uh, um, health insurance, the uh, the BLS um, do you did you read about how they changed the uh, formula for effective October? I know they got it down thirty four percent in a year, and I don't I don't know of anybody's health insurance that went down. Right, and they, no, they they just implemented a change. It was announced several months ago, so this is not you know um, not made you know not made on the spur of the moment. But they are now smoothing the whole process. I, I can I can send you and I can tweet out for the listeners. Um, what uh, uh, what they did, um, but you know, it, it's a combination of saying what do people spend out of pocket on healthcare, and what what do the insurance companies fork out on healthcare, and they measure that insurance company part based on retained earnings, and they're smoothing that out over a two year period now. Um, so it's you know, yeah, no wonder it looks so good. Well, they they the weird part is, Kevin. I know they've done it for. The last couple of months, and I was didn't read as rigorously the stuff you just read. Um, they've been doing it, it's some sort of a I'm going to say a really half-assed equation. There, they're trying to figure out how much hospitals and doctor groups make, and if and if their margin goes down, they're saying that your insurance costs somehow went down. There's no connection, is there? That I can think of. That's what they're wow. doing. They're they're trying to back into the insurance costs by by looking at the the margins that uh, insurance companies are, are making or something. Right? It's, it's some really weird thing. You, you know it better than me. You just read it. It's something like that, right? Yeah. It, it's it's pretty convoluted. So I, I, I don't even want to I, I don't even want to start into it. I, I could read, I suppose. I bet uh, Carl knows. I'll ask him. Yeah, and uh, so I'm, I'm putting it in, uh, in in email right now so both of you will get it. Um, and uh, And then I'll tweet it out for the listeners. Um, but it, it's it, it's just it, it, as you read it, it's it's one of those things that you have to read uh, over and over and over again to really get what they're saying. Um, but it's the premiums premiums minus benefits spending is known as retained earnings. Uh, then the measured prices of medical goods and non-insurance services, I, that is physicians, hospitals, etc., are defined to be the total reimbursed amount and include. Uh, any payments from insurers, the associated out-of-pocket expenditure weights are reassigned for premium, etc. I mean, it, it just goes on like this, and you 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 have to, you know, you, you have to just read it about three times to really get what they're saying. Well, I have a, I actually did want to talk to you about a little something same in this area, but I've got, I'm looking at the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, consumer re reports, right? Consumer prices, health insurance is 0.5 percent of the basket. Now, anybody who's paying insurance, I'm going to say it's a little bit more percentage of your basket. It's down 34% on the year. Uh, now, I don't know how they figure the deductibles and all that kind of stuff, but, hey, you know, one of the one of the listeners uh, sent me a thing yesterday. I was 
I was kind of rattling off about a uh, guy in the building that I know has to go for colonoscopy. You know, his insurance, the, the building pays some of it, and uh, he pays the rest. But it's one of these, I'm going to say, horse bleep, Blue Cross Blue Shield policies. Blue Cross has about 10 different policies now. I think he has a pretty sizable deductible, and I think he pays either 10 or 20% of the bill. Kevin and uh, so I think where he I don't know if he's going Northwestern or someplace. They wanted 19 grand for the colonoscopy, and I'm thinking that's a little high. Well, I think he might have. You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't well, you, you can just then you know say okay. I'll just go with the jelly finger this time. <laughs> well, I'm saying, but but the, the the idea is now he has to pay. If, if he has, I think I think his wife had some tests. I don't know, but but I I I think he's used up some of his deductible. Even though maybe even all of it, but I'm not going to, you know, buzz the guy. But say he didn't. All right, now he's got to pay five grand plus. Let's take the low number. Ten uh, percent of the bill, so that's another two. So he's got to pay seven. Now, it's not like I, I mistrust insurance companies, but I do. Now, are they giving him the the Read the the list price, or are they giving them their price? Because one of the listeners was nice enough to send in yesterday. There's a group here in Chicago that now they won't do it if you're on Medicare or something for some reason. But for cash out of pocket, if you're paying for it, no insurance whatsoever, they'll do colonoscopies for fifteen hundred bucks with the with the analysis and the whole bit, polyps out the whole and then test the polyps. Uh, that's an interesting spread in it. Where this guy might have to pay seven out of pocket, you can't tell me Blue Cross is paying anything. I'm, I'm that. I'm that. Can I can I be that sinister or suspicious these days, Kevin? If if well, first of all, it's an illegal pricing scheme, no matter how you slice it. Yes. I I don't I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I just mistrust these guys so damn much. I went through a period. This will be real brief and. I we had a you know what health savings plan is, it's sure. a well I, you know I worked my way up to fifty HSA and FSA which one are you talking I'm talking about, about the one that is yours forever the one that turns into like a IRA That's HSA yeah okay. so I get like you know I got a five thousand dollar deductible so I get uh, maybe it was seven deductible yeah, whatever it was and I I get the thing up to like fifteen grand I'm going hey it's pretty cool <laughs> this is this is years ago I go uh, wow this is going to be if I keep adding to this thing and I don't manage to get sick. Which I wouldn't plan it on. Uh, well, I'll have a couple hundred G's of this thing by the time I retire, right? If, if they, of course, there was no place really to invest it, but there's only one bank did it. So all of a sudden, I get two things. You know, I did something playing softball and something else, and we had to go from my doctor to the specialist to get an MRI. And of course, dummy that I am, I went to Northwestern to get the MRI. And guess what? The specialist plus MRI number was. Uh, uh, the exact amount of your uh, exact exact <laughs> amount of my exact no exact amount of my deductible for that year. Oh, okay. So I did two or three of these things over a three-year period. Now I got nothing in there, and the insurance company never paid a dime. These boys are good; they are real good. Now I would go somewhere else and get an MRI for eight hundred bucks. I wouldn't go to Northwestern and pay him five grand. But how many people think of that, and how many people? You know, if you got insurance... They just go where the doctor says go. And they go where the insurance pays for it. What's the difference? Well, there's a big difference. I think, I'm think i not going to get into everybody's medical life and say, instead of going to Northwestern or Chicago, you should go to 
you know, Joe's whatever somewhere. But the fact is, if somebody can really do this for eight hundred bucks, I really shouldn't be paying six grand. Or somebody shouldn't. That doesn't make sense to me either. So uh the Irish are gonna get any better? Who do you who's the number one team? Is it Kansas? Oh, in basketball? Yeah. I think it is, isn't it? Uh it might be. It might be. I don't know. I don't look at rankings very much this time of year. Are the Irish going to get better? Yeah, they're playing for freshmen regularly. Those guys, you know, last night was their first time playing against any kind of major competition. Um, you know, and, and so you said they look like a high school team. It's because they ba- barely are out of high school. So, yeah, uh, they also, you know, they're six foot ten centers, uh, who is a big guy. He's like six foot ten, two fifty is out with uh, a broken hand, so that'll help them when they get him back. And, uh, I, yeah, my, my prediction for them is they're going to be pretty bad until January, and then they're going to start to show improvement, and by the end of January, they'll have a pretty solid team. What's your uh, your current, and my prediction on uh, the football part in college, and again, I, I could be wrong, I'm wrong all the time, but that's alright, I don't mind making it. I still think, as time goes by, there's going to be a lot of schools that, that opt out of this bidding war, Kevin. I don't know who they're going to be, but I think some schools are just not into it. Russell says Indiana doesn't seem like they care about it at all. They're not going to start bidding for people for football. Now well, yeah, what what I suspect is uh, it's actually the, the ones that are going to opt out are going to be the major powers. And they're going to go out on their own. They're going to strike out on their own and run run college football the way they want to run it. It's going to be a, you know truly a professional minor league. And they'll probably have to deal with some collective bargaining and things like that while they're at it. And, you know, how much school's going to factor into it? Well, they, you know, that's kind of a nice little touch to the whole thing because it pulls at the alma mater heartstrings and, uh, and, and keeps people interested that way. So, you know, I, I, I imagine that school will remain part of the equation, but, you know, I, I, I just think it's... I, I think they've they've kind of killed the golden goose, and now it's just you know how's it gonna how's it gonna shake out to be something different. Well, when what uh, I guess we we only had a minute or two here, but if if they're the Big Ten, well, big whatever the hell they are now, Big Eighteen or something. If <clears throat> Florida schools really want to do this to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Texases and those kind of guys, um, what what happens to the rest of the guys? What you know, they just they just go and get clobbered every week, or do they do something different? In in the Big Ten, I'm just saying, what if Indiana, oh, Northwestern? What, what happens to Northwestern? What happens to Illinois? Well, you know, yeah, they're going to go get their brain speed in, um, but they're going to get paid a lot of money to do it. I, I I think that's not that dog doesn't hunt forever. I, yeah, I just, that's why I say I think they killed the golden goose here. I think I, I think it's it's all downhill from here. Um, it's going to be a slow downhill ride, but I think uh, you know. I, I think it's just it's all changing in a way um, that is getting away from the model, the the most successful part of the model, and that was the attachment to college, to well, the extent that, to the extent that there even has been. You know, to, at some places there, it doesn't have much of anything to do with college. Well, what if nevertheless, you don't think uh, there's a chance? I mean, I I'm trying not trying to predict this, but if. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, I think is all in. Michigan State might be. Um, If four or six of the teams really want to play against the the best eight teams of the South and the best eight teams of the West, Southern Cal's probably in, UCLA's probably in. You think the other guys will say, you guys go. We're going to have a two, 
conference set up in the Big Ten, where the other eight of us, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, we get to go play football like we used to. Uh, you, you might see some of that. I, I think you'll see a uh, four conferences with anywhere from 40 to maybe 64 teams, and they'll do a 16-team playoff. Yeah, but I'm saying I, I, don't, I don't think Purdue wants any part of all this crap. I won't say crap. The, the new world where they have to go out and start buying people because they have to play Alabama or something. I don't think Purdue cares about playing Alabama. I think they just want to have, have it. I don't think Northwestern does either. Neither is Indiana, it doesn't appear, according to Russell. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, hard, it's hard to say what they really want. Uh, I, I suspect they would like to preserve basketball and, and other sports. And, you know, the other sports to be preserved, it depends. It varies from school to school because something like baseball is, you know, nice to have at a northern school. But if you're at one of the Florida schools or you're in Texas or even Southern California, then baseball is a substantial program, and so they're going to want to maintain that. So really, if, as, as football breaks its, breaks away and becomes its own, you know, which side do you want to go with? Uh, and, uh, and and how do you want to structure your own school's program, they're still going to want to do the rest of it. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if the football schools go off on their own for football, are they going off on their own for the rest of it too, or are they just saying we're not, you know, football's no longer going to be an NCAA thing. I, might, I, I, guess. Don't, I, don't know, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I sort of suspect it'll be what I'm describing, is the, the you know, football will... Uh, you know, it will be more like the Division One Double A on NCAA, and then the others will go off and have their own football league. One of the ladies that works with us here, she's big time Wisconsin fan, uh, and I asked her. She goes, she goes, I'm not sure if Wisconsin's all in on this either. Where they got to start bidding for people? <laughs> she goes, that Wisconsin might be another one that says we don't want that. Let let Ohio State and Michigan go do that. I'm just saying, you know, I, and their and their new conference brethren, UCLA and yeah. USC and Washington. See, you know, it, it sort of depends because if you would have talked about Washington uh, a couple of years ago, they weren't very good, but they historically have been good, and they're good now. So, you know, a, a lot of that, you know, how would Purdue feel if uh, if all of a sudden they got a Heisman caliber quarterback and a couple of good players to go with them? and they were all of a sudden having a lot of success, then maybe you might have a different conversation at Purdue. Well, I, so I, I don't know. I, you know I, I don't know how, how some schools are going to make their decisions and how others will. I do get that there will be some that just say, yeah, don't want any part unless, of it. Unless the kid is a, a Chip Hilton that sneaks in from Valley Forge that nobody knows, people don't know who Chip Hilton is, unless he sneaks into Purdue through the back road, there's no way that kid in today's world gets to Purdue unannounced unless he grows eight inches and when he's a freshman, that kid's going to be at Oregon and Nike's already going to pay him in my world. In, my, in this crazy world, I think we're going. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there's exceptions to that, and but they're, they're rare. And, there's, and I think it's going to be the point where Purdue playing Oregon is going to be more of a split than uh, either Chicago playing Notre Dame. I mean, it's going to be one, one team's paying everybody and one team's paying nobody, and we're going, what am I even playing these guys for? So you like us going up and playing a Melman softball team, right? Just saying. Anyway, th- Kevin, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. We have Carl in a second. SB features up twelve. Nancy features up twelve. Uh, let's go to a real short break because we went over with Kevin. We we'll get Carl in here. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
something happening here. Hello and welcome to Slashing Jazz. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 13. SP Futures up 14. We've got the, we're, uh, what was the uh, C.W. McCall convoy? We, we're putting the hammer down. We're clear to whatever town we are. It's the same way with the market is. We're clear to the end of the year. Carl, how are you, buddy? Oh, I tell you, this is uh, this last couple of weeks has certainly been interesting, hasn't it? Well, it's uh, it, if, you, if you if you cut away the wheat from the chaff, the market in its crazy way here is actually becoming. It actually is, I'm going to say, somewhat rational. Not in the individual stocks that you and I, the, the eight stocks, you know, driving the market. We you know we could take that apart all day long, but they they also still want to be long them, right? But I don't think that a a jump in the market. When your Fed comes out and says, "Remember that five percent you're worried about? It's going to be four, four and a half percent at worst." That's that's a reprice, right? I mean, I think it might have been too high in the first place. But, but having said that, if you and I well, were but, sitting but in class, wait a, but but wait a, but wait a minute, Chief, is it really a reprice? I, to the extent that people thought that the ten year was going to be five percent, and now it's obvious it's not because the, the Fed's not going to chase it there, and we're going to be four, 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 five, four, three. If if you believe the five, yes, it's a reprice. Now whether well, what, ex- well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the TNX minus IRX? I, I'm with you on all this stuff. I'm just saying, if, if on a very simple thing, if if you're in the third row and somebody's giving a lecture, and somebody were to say, the interest rate that, we're, that everybody's discounting the, the net, net future earnings flows, which of course now we know what that what that means, but if people were actually doing that. And I were to say we're going to go from a five percent rate going forward to four and a half, you would say whatever the asset price is, it's going up, right? Well, uh, yeah, except except as I pointed out, the the IRX has basically not moved, right? And that's the thirteen week T bell, okay? So the <laughs> from from when this happened, um, that was slowly creeping back to be. A positive slope, okay, between those two things. Uh, it had been negative for you know for quite some time, of course. Uh, which you know everyone says, well, that's a recession indicator. You know, not, not recession now, but recession coming. Right? Why? Because it's more expensive to borrow today than it is in the future. That means that the economic future is darker than today's economic picture. I mean, if you think about it, that's what it says, right? Rates will be higher, you know. Rates are higher today than they will be tomorrow. That's the, you know, <laughs> that's that's what the inverted curve is. Um, okay, so it went from neg five point five nine to neg eight twenty one, and today is sitting at neg seven point nine eight as of right about now. All right, um, and and that's essentially flat over the last three days, during which we've had a furious rally. Okay, um, there, there's a problem here, and that is that, as, you know, as Walmart pointed out, uh, you know, and, and got their stock price whacked for doing it, uh, they're seeing a real pullback in what people are spending in their stores, and that's probably everybody but the top 10% of did America. You hear, did you hear, listen to my, you probably weren't on what I was talking about. His, yeah, no, I, no, yeah. I heard, yeah, and, and your criticism of what he said is correct. All right. However, or what it, he was, what they wrote down that he said, whether or not he 
He uh, might have been more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part of the problem is stenographers right. are not always you know very good at their job. But he, he's um, right that he 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 is seeing lower demand because people are getting buried other places. Is essentially what he's saying, or without you know, is that and that's probably very true. Yeah, that's that is that is the essence of what he's saying, and I mean it's you, you know yet the CPI come out. Okay, and as uh, as I've pointed out for a while, um, you know, then after that, of course, the you know the PPI comes out. Okay, and, and oh boy, did people cheer about that one? It was all gasoline. Right? It was all it was all gasoline. Seven well, percent was it, gasoline. Well, yeah, gas was a, was a big part of it. But here's here's the other thing though that's showing up in the in the in the producer price index, which I watch because it tells me you know the CPI is in the past. Okay, so the October CPI tells me what, supposedly, if you believe the numbers, tells me, you know, that, that my health insurance went down 32% over the last 12 months. Well, like, blankety-blankety did. Yep. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you believe the figures, uh, you know, food and, food and uh, food at home went up by 2% last 12 months. Uh, like, blankety-blankety did again, I actually have the receipts on that. Uh, it, and you know, and the increase is more like twenty percent. <laughs> yeah. Um, my car insurance, it says, went up about twenty percent. Ah, gee, it did. Funny that how that one's accurate, um, or at least close enough, right? I mean, you close know, enough. okay, there's yeah. I mean, you know, okay, it's you know plus or minus two or three on any individual person, maybe even plus or minus five, but uh, but it's in the same game, right? I mean, we're not you know we're not talking about stupid. Uh, on the other hand, the PPI tries to tell me what's going to happen in the future because that's what people are seeing as as things go through the production chain. And so your your final demand tends to be uh, what you're going to see, uh, you know, three, four, five, six months out. Intermediate and crude demand are things that you're going to see about a year down the road, and. What you're seeing here is that, um, surprisingly enough, in final demand goods and services, um, you are seeing decreases, decreases in price, not, you know, a- actual deflation, okay? Um, and, but, and this is one of the things that's very difficult for a lot of people to get their arms around on the services side where it's coming from is in trade. And that is really, really bad and the reason it's bad is because as I have pointed out for the last while uh, when we had the deficit spending going on over the last 20 years or so uh, Congress got inculcated to the idea that they could do this without it hitting inflation because and, and you had a lot of economists and a lot of market commentators that were scratching their head. I was one of them for a while. Then I figured out where it was coming from. And the reason is that international trade is largely settled in dollars. And during the time that goods are in transit between places on an international basis, there there is an absorption that occurs on a temporary basis while those goods are in transit. So as that trade level increases... It's not a level thing. It's a, it's a delta thing. As it increases, you have an absorption that is taking place. Now, if the, if the level of international trade is, say, a trillion dollars, and it's a trillion dollars today, and it's a trillion dollars tomorrow, then that doesn't really do anything because it's the same trillion dollars. Okay, I mean, it's, it's different goods, 
you know, it's it's uh, this car versus that car, but the the total amount is the same. But if you go from a trillion to a trillion five, then there's 500 billion that the government can turn around and spend in deficit that doesn't come back and get reflected into inflation. All right, well, when you think about, you know, what we're talking about now, we're running a 30% fiscal deficit, about $2 trillion a year. And Congress has gotten the idea that they can do this kind of thing and not have it show up in inflation because, you know, glo- what's what's global GDP, all right? I mean, you know, we're, we're 20... 20 some trillion dollar economy and you know and then of course you got everybody else but if you increase you know putting a trillion dollars on that um, across the globe is not an implausible thing okay that's that's what a three or four percent increase maybe yep, yep. all right well I, okay so three percent increase in global trade uh, means that the congress can blow three quarters of a trillion dollars and not have any of it show up in inflation at all well, well, that's oh boy, that's a free lunch, except that increase eventually stops. That doesn't mean that the amount of global trade goes down. It just means that the increase stops. Why? Because you offshore as much stuff as you can offshore. Well, I mean, we, uh, the, the, well, the, uh, but chief, we're there. I know the, okay. well, the, the, the greatest line in all of economics was Milton Friedman was, "Inflation is always and every time a monetary phenomenon." Yeah. everybody should know that. Why? Why? And it's ad- oh, but but see the thing is nobody ever looks for where is the absorption happening, and then how long can that go on? And oh by the way, when it stops, you'd better stop because if you don't, it's going to show up in your price level immediately. But why? Right? Do, why do why do people? I mean, we talked about the uh, the the yield curve. Okay, well, somehow or another, um, and I don't know why it's. Uh, what did what did uh, Bill Murray say about the? Uh, is sergeant broke, sir? <laughs> Blown up, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, when it, when I started the business, uh, the wheel curve was 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 really a yield curve. Talk about downward yep. sloping. And the near term rates were what fourteen or something, fifteen, eighteen, somewhere in there, sixteen, say. And going out seven or eight years, they were eight or nine. Right. Well, now you might ask yourself, how could that even be? Well, the interest rates are, I mean, the formula, which seems to have gone away the dodo bird, the formula is interest rates are the real rate of interest, which can vary a little bit depending on how tight or, or loose money is. But generally, it's 25 to 3% plus or minus, right? How right. loose the money is. Plus the expected rate of inflation, because if I, this is this, and I, and I, I really can't emphasize enough to the listeners, if, if you want to understand stuff, take it to the take it to the minimum level. Take it to one person. Take it to whatever. Don't, Correct. Don't, don't have it blow by you, these big numbers. Because you know what? Big numbers, I don't understand them either. But basically, if I loan Carl 100 bucks, I'm going to want 3% or whatever the cost of money is. Because guess what? It's my money. He wants it. He needs it to build a building, build a business. And he's going to make more money than the 3%. But he has to pay me for my money just as he does for concrete, for steel, for wire, for everything else, it's it, money is a factor of production, right? And somehow that's that's gone lost in the, in the vernacular too. So he's going to pay me three percent. But now if I go, my government's kind of screwing this up. At the end of the year, the the hundred hours is going to be worth ninety. Well, right. I don't get to use it. Carl's using it. So I want not only the three percent real interest, but I want the ten percent that the government's screwing me. 
So I'm going to want 13%, one plus right. the other. Uh, right, and that's and that's the general that that is generally how it always over time over enough time over works. centuries. Well, but but the thing is this. Nobody, you know, it's one of the one of the lines first things that I pointed out in leverage in my book back when I when I published this, nobody ever intentionally lends money at a loss. No. Okay, that doesn't mean that people don't make mistakes and end up lending money at a loss. Of course they do. People make mistakes all the time. Wait, wait, wait. You, you just blew by 90% of the people, not our listeners. If you charge somebody 4% and you get your 4%, even though the inflation rate was 10, most people would say, well, you didn't lose any money. But yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You lost six. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that people, people do get bamboozled through various things, and sometimes it's just their own stupidity, okay? Sometimes it's just bad luck. You know, they guess wrong, right? I mean, you know, guessing wrong, I mean, every time. When, <laughs> run a business for a while, especially in the high-tech space, where you have to basically bet the company every 18 months. That's what I lived with for, oh, yeah. you know, for several years. We, we had to literally bet the company every 18 months because the technology was changing so fast that I had to turn over essentially everything that we used to make money other than the building we were in. <laughs> and if I guessed wrong, we were going to be out of business. All I had to do was make one serious mistake that cost me a million dollars I didn't have, and it was over. And wouldn't you rather have had some huge company where you sat overseas, didn't pay any taxes, and waited for a guy like you to come up with something really good and just step in and buy it, and then it became yours? Well, okay, we you know we allegedly did that, and the the company that bought us uh, thought they were the wisest people in the world, and then uh, they they ended up being one of the largest corporate bankruptcies in the history of the United States. Well, that, but I'm saying in general, like drug. <laughs> so, co- yeah, so just I, because I you think, yeah, just because you think you have something, you know, you, you buy up the guy that's great, that doesn't mean you can operate it, and not screw it up. Well, but yes, the, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can always. Well, look at <laughs> look at was it, who bought uh, Mark Cuban's place? Was that Yahoo? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it, it was Windstar that bought us, and and uh, along with a bunch of other people, and they they rolled up a bunch of companies, and they uh, they got way out over their skis, um, and the market went the wrong way on them, and uh, they didn't just blow themselves up; they blew Lucent up at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they they took Lucent down with them, and and then of course you know MCI blew up as well. For, well. Those, for those that don't recall, Lucent was the most widely held stock in America fifteen years ago. Yeah, they and they got demolished yep. by by a company that was trying to be uh, the the first last in place that that everybody went for internet service, and and you know that's what WinStar was trying to do is they were trying to capitalize on you know on this brand new thing, and uh, you know that's I mean hey listen if you get it right. Right, I mean, you know, you're, you're Bill Gates. Right, I mean, you're, you're Microsoft for crying out loud. If you well, get it right, but the problem is, if you get it wrong, you're a zero and a big smoking hole. And um, you know, sometimes just because you have a bunch of people that have a lot of letters after their name, and you, you they, uh, hey, listen, it doesn't mean that you necessarily are right. And, and if you don't react to these kinds of things the right way, and, and like I said, it was. You know, I went through years of this. Every 18 months, I had to bet the company. Well, everybody else was betting the company, too. And some people came out the other side of that okay, and others did not. Well, that's, that's, that's the beauty uh, Well, the beauty of the hardship of business. It's not easy. 
unless yeah, you're unless you're Microsoft, we buy whatever. Well, you're not. You know, it's not always right. And then, but uh, you know, where we are, the thing that I that I think is is sort of interesting, you know, what's going on today, is that you would have thought that if if this really was a normalization and happy days are here again, things are going to be fine, valuations are okay, we're going to grow into them, it's it's all going to be fine, that you would see the the forward cost of money start to normalize. You would see the you would not see things like negative deviations in trade, okay, in the PPI. And yet those are the things you are seeing, and you also wouldn't see slack demand in gasoline, which is telling you people are not traveling on a discretionary basis because it's not there in fuel oil. You know, as, as I've pointed out before, Kyle, how do you crack- how do you match that up with uh, like a prediction that's going to be a record amount of people flying or driving Thanksgiving this weekend? Well, I sure? you know I don't I don't know what you're going to see there. I can tell you what I see around here and what I've seen in other places, which is that discretionary spend you know i mean this uh, look you may have people that will go, that will do something over thanksgiving you know they're going to get on a plane whatever um but what do they spend on christmas presents okay i mean yeah, i'm yeah. i'm already you know i'm already getting the black flyer you know black friday flyers in my mail right and i'm seeing some pretty good deals but but there's nothing that i really need to buy and nothing that I can think of that I'm, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what my spending this holiday season is going to be yet because I haven't quite figured out exactly what I'm going to get for people. Um, well, don't, but, t- don't spend too much on us. We're okay. Yeah, okay. But, you know, but I, what I see around here is is extraordinarily slack demand in places that are extraordinarily discretionary, places like bars and restaurants and Me stuff too. like this. You see people okay. closing at 930, used to close at midnight, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was I was in a, a, a drinking establishment yesterday just to have a beer, and there were three of us in there. There were more yep. employees in there than there were, you know, customers. All right, now, granted, I mean, you know, it was a Thursday. All right, fine. Now, Thursday's but, the big night here. Well, you know, it was Thursday, but on the other hand, you know, I was also out, uh, you know, over the weekend last week, and, and you'd think with the games on and stuff that, you know, that everything would be slammed and people would be sitting there, you know, whooping it up, and uh, no, that's not what was going on. So I, yeah, this is, there, something shifted, and it's relatively recent. The last two or three weeks, I think a wall's been hit, and that, and that kind of matches up with what this guy from Walmart was saying. Same thing you have in Target said, same thing you have at Home Depot yeah, I, and and you know what I mean. I was in Lowe's the other day. I had to pick up a couple of stuff and uh, a couple of things, and there was like four people in the store. Well, last last week I bought a can of stain, a can of paint, and two things of uh, caulk. It was one hundred and forty bucks. Well, see, that's the that's the problem. Is yeah. it is exactly there? Okay, I mean, you know, I go to the grocery store, and all of a sudden, what was a hundred dollar basket? It's one hundred and fifty. Well, I if let's get back real quick because we didn't finish the one about the the, the simple the simple. In 1980, 1979, you looked at the near-term rates at 16, you looked at the longer-term rates at 12. Right. Now, there, there was a, you sat there and you said, okay, as, as, as bumble bleeps as these people are and the Fed and the government not realizing what they did by pouring all this money in, they will eventually get their act together and we're not going to have 16% inflation rates five years from now. So the expectation... You would, there's a very logical reason why the the 30-year bond was trading at a 12 and a half, and 
the, the near term stuff was sixteen. You could go on the black and the CD and get a fifteen or sixteen at Continental Bank, the dear departed. Right. So there was a reason for it. But I'm going to ask you right now is having thrown all these statistics at it. I'm asking you because I don't want to answer the question. I don't know the answer. If I were to say, Carl, eight years from now, give me your number and what the short-term rate's going to be and what the real inflation's going to be. I don't know what these buffoons are going to do. I have no idea. I mean, well, I don't know. What, well, what they're telling you with this 4.4% rate tells you that somehow or another they're going to get back down to a 2.5%, 3% real rate instead of the 5 and there's right. going to, and everybody's going to be real happy with a real 1, 1.5% inflation rate. I don't see that happening at all, do you? Well, I, I don't either, And but I'll tell you what, this trade number, this is the one you got to watch in the PPI, okay? Final demand services is on the service side, and and it was neg, neg 0.7 okay, this last month. Um, now, the problem with this is that's been negative now all, on the, for, most, for the most part. I mean, there's been a couple of positive prints, but for the most part, it's been negative this year alright now the year prior 2022 it was positive alright so this is this the problem with this is to the extent that this is uh, that this is in overseas trade not just in the United States that very same thing that made deficit spending appear to be free now makes is, is an addition to inflation because it contracts the amount of money that is sequestered in overseas trade. And that and, and that dial spins both directions. Well you're it's talking like about any, you're talking about it's a delay a delay in having to having it show up and whenever you have a delay, when it does show up then you got a, a delay on the back end that's gonna kill you. Well no what I, basically what I'm saying is okay, if you go from a trillion to a trillion five, there's five hundred billion dollars worth of absorption of inflation of, of emitted credit that happens that doesn't show up in inflation that the federal government could could spend, okay, but doesn't hit the price level. But if you go from a trillion five to a trillion, there's five hundred billion that shows up even though the government didn't deficit spend. Okay. All right, so this crank goes in both directions, exactly as badly, one way or the other. And this, this, by the way, is one of the things that makes this whole APEC thing so interesting to me. All right, all of a sudden, San Francisco. Gee, you want you, you want San Francisco has this intractable homeless problem. They can't deal. They can't do anything about all these people shooting up and, and taking a crap in the middle of the street. And then President Z is going to show up from China. And all of a sudden, in the space of 72 hours, there's not a single homeless person in the city. Yeah. Well, you know what? Chicago did the same thing several times when I was running. So they're going to do it next year for the uh, the convention. Yeah, and they'll and you know, I mean, it, ma- it's like magic. I tell you, magic. That all of a sudden, but they can't do it for all the people that live there and work there and and deal with this on a daily basis. No, 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 no. But some dignitary shows up, and all of a sudden, these people just are they magically disappear. Well, I, 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 uh, the, the, I don't know what I don't know what we can do about this, Carl, because I'm not, you know, and, until you have some sort of an understanding. Now, Greg is convinced that what we talk about on the show as time goes by is going to become. I mean, Milton Friedman ran around the, the Federal Reserve offices for five years before he was believed, right? I mean, it wasn't right. like a 
overnight sensation, but the idea that the biggest benefactors of all this are government, I'm looking here, well, I'm looking at several things. I'm looking at the uh, 2024 tax brackets. So I'm not a tax guy. Um, next year, you, you uh, can make up to 47000 bucks where you're paying 12%, right? Right. This is a, this is after all your deductions and everything. Right, right. And, uh, but if, if all of a sudden you're making forty-seven, and I think you still get help in Obamacare below fifty, I don't know. I don't know where that one's going. Well, it's okay. So that's so. There's an important thing here that happened for the, for this for last year, this year, and next year. It's not a cliff. It has historically always been a cliff. If you made more than about forty thousand dollars, all of a sudden your subsidy was zero. Okay. Okay. That's not true this year. It wasn't true last year. It's not true this year, and it's not true next year. It was this was part of this Inflation Reduction Act thing. It was in there. It's now a phase out. Okay. So rather than going to zero, it slowly starts to decrease, and it actually doesn't become zero until you're over a hundred. Okay, so, but I'm saying just then, the taxes here, your income taxes, right. you jump from forty-seven to one hundred instead of twelve percent. It's twenty-two. So right. so if you see a 40% inflation like we've seen despite what everybody says and and all of a sudden your company says wow Carl this look you got hosed the last 4 years we're going to give you a 40% raise well that's yeah. that's 20 grand well on the 20 you're now paying 22 instead of 12 so you you're not right. even at all you're not even so no no you're not even and that's but see that's the other thing too though is that this this change to the way that the Obamacare stuff works out is going to end up screwing the government in other words screw the deficit higher right all right because instead of being a cliff it is going to it's a phase out which means that the subsidy continues to get paid which again means the deficit but, people, but, but if, you, if you use my math the person who's now making uh 70 instead of 50 he still can't afford to get a four. Well, the, well yeah, I, uh, no, yeah. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, absolutely, but in addition to that, okay, uh, the the inflation number, the real inflation number, is hotter than it otherwise would have been because the government is spending that money in deficit. And oh, by the way, you didn't get any service for it because the so-called insurance is nearly worthless. It's got an eight thousand dollar deductible. Right. Well, we got to go to break. We come back. I'm gonna. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quiz, and I'll bet you do very well. SB Fugit, by the way, my, my, my nephew's daughter, this, I, you know, you, you, you've, had, you've had daughters, right? Uh, I have one. One, okay, so picture her being six and being a bright, pleasant young lady. She's a riot. Um, Sunday she had to take a, a standardized test at a university to see whether she can get in one of the better Chicago public schools. And I'm sitting there going, what the bleep do you test a six-year-old at? Is it mo-? So, of course, I ask her. I go, hey, Z, what was on the test? How was the test? Okay. How'd you do? Okay. You know, this, this, I'm sure you remember this kind of conversation. Uh, okay. What was, like, the test like? Um, oh, I don't know. So then g- grandmother comes in says, hey, Z, how was the test? What was the test? Why is everybody asking me about this test? It's over. <laughs> We never did find out what the hell was on. What in God's name would you put on that test for a six-year-old? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I just, we ne- let's put it this way. We never got the story. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> SP Futures up 14, NASA Futures up 15. Be right back, Stacks and Jackson. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back, Stacks and Jackson. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. I'm sitting here trying to put stuff in my calculator here so I can. I can quiz the Carl, stump the Carl when we get back, which I probably won't be able to. SP Futures up 15, NASDAQ Futures up 16. Uh, we we're off to the races here a little bit, although it's not as much as it was the other day. Yesterday we were up a little bit, but the market looks a tad tired, even though it's still going up. There's no doubt about it, it's going up, or at least the last couple of days. Uh, Dow up 128. Individual stacks in the Dow, Caterpillar up 254. Walmart, it's got basically its ass kicked yesterday. Uh, it was only up a dollar five, so it was up like, it was down like 13 yesterday, so nobody likes the Walmart. Cisco, which was down like 15%, blew through the straddle by, by two times on uh, its earnings, is down 18 cents, so it's not, there's not even a dead cat bounce there. So over in Europe, we've got, um, they're all, they're all pretty, pretty, pretty far up here. DAX up 139.9%, FTSE up 62.8%, CAC around up 64.9%, so almost a percentage gain just about everybody there. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 160.4%. Hang Seng, however, another 2% drop. 378.17454. Sayonara at 18,000, where it was four days ago. A Shanghai up three, let's call that flat. So the, the, the constant difference between where Hang Seng is moving all over the place and the mainland Chinese, this, this becomes a, a constant, I'll say, curiosity of mine. I don't want to say it's a, you know, I don't, I don't really know the answer. Maybe Carl does. A uh, 10 year yield down two basis points, 4.42s. We're now. Pretty much comfortable in this four and a half range, rather than the five. Uh, Bund down three basis points, 2.55. J- Japan 10-year, 0.74, down from maybe a 0.89 high. I don't know if it might have touched 9 percent, 0.9%. So that's a big move for those guys, percentage-wise. Yesterday was like kind of an inside day. Dow down 45, S&P up five, Nasdaq up nine. Oil up a dollar 20, but still 74.10. I tell you what, early in the year, if you'd have told even Carl and me. We're going to have two wars going on, by the way. Uh, we knew there was a Ukraine war. Where would oil be? I probably would have picked 90-plus, not 74. This goes to show you. Brent up a dollar thirty-three, seventy-eight, seventy-five. Natural gas down 5 cents, 301. Threading to go under 3, heading into a winner, which is interesting. Arbob up 2 cents, 2.12. Gold. Continue its move uh, slowly. 1992 up 5 bucks. Silver up 19 cents, 24.12. I'm going to say, Greg, why don't you check that after you do your stuff? I think that's like a might be close to a yearly high in the silver, but maybe not. A copper unchanged 370. Bitcoin 
up 516, 36,475. And the U.S. dollar is continuing uh, its its slide here as we got the euro up to 1087 and the pound up to 124.3. So that's the sign as they've been in a while as well. So a lot of stuff moving. Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, we're sports. Still, uh, we're still below the highs in silver. I think okay. we got up to 20, almost 27. Oh, really? In, okay. In like March, April. All right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we're going it's back there? a lot higher than the 20 it was a few months ago. Yeah. So, big range in there. Uh, traffic. No, let's do weather first. Chicago, we got 49 degrees right now. It's going to stay the same temperature the entire morning and afternoon. Um, a few showers in, uh, in an hour or so, but back down to 35 tonight, so winter's back. Phoenix, 62 degrees right now, 80 today, partial sunshine traffic. Inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 30 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cote, 48 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 35 minutes. Uh, the Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 25 minutes. And Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 32 minutes. NHL, Coyotes win at Blue Jackets, that was 3-2. to two. Blackhawks lose at home to Lightning, that was 4-2. to two. And then in NFL last night, Joe Burrow sprained his wrist in the second quarter, was not able to throw the ball. Bengals lose 20 to 34 to the Ravens. And so I got Chief. What good is a quarterback that can't throw? Yeah, big, big question marks with the um, Burrow out. Um, anyway, uh, we have uh, it was a bunch of stuff the other day, Carl, regarding why are people still spending? And the answer is, uh, according to this gentleman, the, uh, not me, the guy wrote the article, the wealth effect, that even though incomes aren't going up as fast as inflation, you've got you know a couple of trillion dollars up in the stock market, especially if you're in the, the right stocks. Uh, and I could add a few more to them. I would add Adobe. I might even add Lululemon and a few others. Say the top ten. Um, and then also the housing prices going up, even though with the mortgage rates going up, you would think they wouldn't be, but they still sort of are. And yet, I... Uh, I, you know, I was still kind of concerned about the Silicon Valley fiasco and what what became of all the people who bought bonds three years ago and what became of the the people in Europe and what the balance sheet there looks like. I can't even imagine what the European Central Bank balance sheet looks like. And I've been, you know, kind of uh, bouncing around about, you know, what these bonds are worth and what they're actually marked on your sheets and I don't think anybody knows what the bleep I'm talking about. So I actually dug out a bond present value calculator. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> dug one of these out. Um, if you were, I'm going to say, I, I don't, well, first of all, nobody nobody who uh, gives their money to me to manage is in this predicament. I would never have gone out and put somebody 10, 30 years in a 1.5% in a or 1.4%. As, as the, near, the near-term prices came up, and, and you know, listening to Dan, who's my my uh, my sage on this, Dan Janitas, we started putting people in the in the uh, six month T bill if we had extra cash, at probably high threes, and we have still got a bunch of people in the, in the low fives, so that's where we're putting our extra cash. Uh, yet, but if we would have, but there are people, uh, municipalities, insurance companies, uh, banks, a lot of pension funds that are by charter have to put some stuff in in the U.S stuff and they have to be leveraged out now we're also talking about short term was paying nothing right so right. so i'm going to ask you ask you 
if you put a hundred grand, now you'd be more than that, you'd be a million, but if you put a hundred grand three years ago into a 30 year uh, bond, I'm going to say the coupon would have been 1.4, right? There or thereabouts. Well, yeah, that'd be about right, yeah. I mean, I'm being nice. They actually got down to 1.2, I think. But let's say you didn't you didn't catch the absolute bottom. Uh, I'm going to say the an- annual market rate now is, uh, what would it be, 4.5? Yeah, about 4.5. Um, let me throw that. I actually screwed that up. So um, recalculate. And you got 20, 27 years left on the bond. Um, right. What, what do you have the bond? Right now, if, you mark, if it was being marked to market... And your PTI sheets or your R- RBC sheets through PTI, what do you suppose that thing is valued at? Well, you you said it's a you said there's 27 years left on. Yep. Oh, well, you're you're going to be really unhappy because um, your discounted cash flow is about 27 years times about a, the three percent difference. Yeah, 52.1. Yeah, I mean it's actually a little more than that because money has time value too, but. Ignoring that, oh, no, your your, pre- your your present value paid at maturity is thirty. Right. Your present value to the stream is twenty one. That's fifty two. Right. right. That's yeah. Hello. It, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but now my I co- mean, yeah. Basic, basically, bend over and grab your ankles. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I mean, this is uh, the problem. So the thing that that you hear though all the time is that. Uh, you know the people that hold these things. I mean, that's the mark-to-market value. If you had to sell it today, right? Right. If you sit on it for the twenty-seven years, you'll get the hundred thousand dollars back. Assuming that the, I mean, if the government fails, then yeah. uh, none of this stuff about money means anything to anyone. All right. I mean, you're talking about guns and uh, you know people trying to eat you because they will be. So uh, you know, leave that. I mean, I'm I'm going to assume that. The principal actually will be paid on the maturity date, right? By the federal government, because if it's not, I'm I'm not worried about what the market is doing. I don't care. Um, the thing is, though, is that the the cash flow that gets thrown off in the intervening 27 years is at the issued coupon, and it's never going to change, right? All right, so. The, the whole reason that discount is there is because if you want to sell it to me, I don't have to buy yours. I can buy somebody else. I, I can buy a brand new one and get the higher coupon. Well, how do you get me to buy yours? You have to give me the discount of the difference in the cash flow that I would otherwise have received. That's the, you know, I mean, that's why that happens. The thing is, is that over the, over a 30-year period of time, the opposite thing was happening. The new issues were always cheaper on a on a yield basis. Therefore, if you held one of the older ones, they were worth more than par. And so your mark to market every month came out showing you showing gains. Well, which they were. Well, which they well, if you sell them, they're gains. Well, it, okay. Well, it, 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 it's only a gain. Look. Same thing with, you know, if I hold Cisco stock that I bought when it was six, and now it's, you know, it's whatever it's trading at today. I'm going to look it up. Uh, yes, my my sheet, my my position is worth much more money than it, it was when I bought it. That's fair. That's true. However, it's not cash, and I can't spend it unless I sell the shares. Uh, okay, I have this argument, discussion. All the time, and I always can tell as as much as you know about trading. Um, 
if you're a trader, Mark the Market is the god. It it, it absolutely is. And and I'm and uh, look that we allow various institutions to not have to do that is a serious sin. Yeah, because you you could never do that. I mean, you're not going to. You can't. You can't do it, and the margin clerk will never let you get away with it. Well, it, it, there's no way on earth we can. Let, let's say we have had uh, uh, in the past before a lot of them went to get be 401ks. Or individual, yeah. individual IRAs, I mean. We used to manage money for several doctoral doctor practices. We had a big urology yeah. clinic and some. And uh, by the way, we always did pretty well for them. And then all of a sudden the attorney said, oh, you, you guys couldn't be doing that. You should, you should make your secretary do the managing on her own. And I'm going, this is really ignorant. But, you know, <laughs> but, but, but anyway, that's what people did to get rid of the risk. But we, let's put it this way. If, if, if Carl's insurance company had their account at PTI. We're sending you a statement saying the thing's worth fifty-two grand. If you want to go into your board and say it's really worth a hundred and get away with it, that's your business. But I'm not. I'm not doing that for you. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like you know. But as, as I've as I have explained to a lot of people, you know, what what I've got on a piece of paper. Now, it, it, you and I, we, you know, we're not big enough to, to actually move things. Okay, right. I mean, you know, Buffett. Buffett just turned around and, and got the SEC to let him execute another confidential transaction. He doesn't have to tell anybody what it was. That's pretty scary. Well, yeah, you, you think? Um, you know, and, and the argument that he makes when he does these things, and he does it on a fairly regular basis, is, well, I'm big enough that I will move the market. Okay. Uh okay. There's a second level of problem here. If you're supposedly a public company and there's one guy out there that's big enough to blow up your stock, um, or you know, or send it to the moon. Either way, right? And oh, by the way, while I'm a while I'm adding to my position and I'm building my position, um, if I actually had to tell somebody this, other people would get would buy it as well, and that would be adverse to my interests. Well, uh, that's uh, that's how a market works, right? right I right. mean, if, if if you're buying something, uh, it's a public tape. I'm supposed to be able to see it, and therefore, if I see it and say, "Hey, you know, maybe I ought to get in on this," and and that hurts your position, why are you privileged to be able to, um, you know, to take advantage of that? But I'm not. What is it? You know, I've lost track of the rules from when I was on the trading floor and traded in equity securities before there was an OEX. Uh, it, it was you used to be able to buy five percent before you declared, right? It was yeah, it, I was think it five or was it ten? It was I, th- well, I thought it was five. What I I'm saying is, it, I, yeah, I think it's still five. But he's he's trying to argue that he shouldn't have to report the position, right? And that's well, you, just for everybody knows what I'm talking about. I'll back up here. Um, this is because I mean, Greg has not traded a whole lot of equities back in those days. If you're sitting there trading, pick pick a place, Holiday Inn, for God, for God's sake. All of a sudden, you see a lot of Holiday Inn being bought. You might say, "God, I wonder who's, yeah, who's, who's buying that? Yeah, who's who's well, who's?" Uh, and, and the answer is, they don't have to tell you until they get. I think it was five percent. Yeah, once you get yeah. to five percent, then you do. Well, well, then you have to file it. You have to actually file it. Is, there, is it? Is it? Is it a? Not a Scott Rubino. There's some some name to the filing. Oh God, it's, it's Scott Rubino. Some filing. I don't know if that one. Erase that name from what I said. Anyway, there's a filing, and you have to declare. No, I really like Holiday Inn at this price. I'm going right. to grab another one or two percent, and I'm going to I'm an investor. Or you have to say I intend to buy the place 
buy the place, and oh, by the way, here's my bid for the rest of it. I mean, you, you have to declare what you're doing. There was no, you, you can buy, you could buy 5% of Holiday Inn if you wanted, or even 8, but at 5, you had to declare what you were doing, right? As, as, that's the way I recall that. Right. And uh, actually, I think most people might have heard this. You remember the, uh, the uh, Howard Hughes story regarding ABC? You might have been. You might be too young for this one. Uh, I might be too young for that one. I'm, uh, I'm uh, oh well, I may not. I may not technically have been too young, but uh, too young to care. How's that for an Well, Howard Hughes decides he wants to buy ABC, and I think ABC at the time. Well, they ended up being bought by Capital Cities later. I'm, I'm trading up in the brown badge in the crummy balcony. It's <laughs> hotter than hinges of hell. I'm trading Owens, Revlon, and Evans products, and they don't trade for squat, right? So he did a trade every hour. And, uh, but we were there all day, <clears throat> you know, and whatever. You could trade stack and do other stuff. But anyway, so all of a sudden, you could hear stuff on the other floor. You'd walk out on the steps, and you could tell what was busy just by listening because they were right in front of you. All of a sudden, the ABC crowd is going nuts. People buying, somebody's buying stack in ABC, buying stack, buying stack. Well, somebody gets to the 5% number and drives the price up, you know, whatever at the time, 8 10 bucks or something. It was a lot of money. Right. And, uh, it was it was Howard Hughes wanted to buy ABC, so he ends, he, he he lived up in the in the uh, penthouse was it the Dunes or the Desert Inn or one of those places, and he was all screwed up. You couldn't you wouldn't let anybody uh, pull his bad teeth that are hanging by a nerve, his fingernails. He wouldn't anybody cut them so they're like a foot long or half a foot long. He was all messed up. Yeah. Uh, so he watches the dating game. And there's this kind of dark-skinned guy on there who I don't think was African-American. They set her up with this white girl. And he goes, I'm not buying any company that would put a black guy together with a black girl or a white girl. He, oh. So the next day, his the guy who ran the company, the Mormon dudes up there would be his caretakers. He, yeah. would, he would communicate with the guy through written legal pads. So and again, yeah. one of his guys would go down and hand the guy the legal pad, the, the the stuff to do for the day in the lobby of whatever hotel this was. So the guy gets the pad that says, "Sell that Sell stuff." <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next day, the thing runs all the way back down, and everybody in the trading floor is going, "What? What, what the, the hell just happened?" <laughs> but true story. Anyway, uh, my question to you is. Oh, oh! By the way, uh, while we were while we were on break, uh, BJ's just said the same thing Walmart did. Their stock got uh, pounded. Yeah, so, I, I don't uh, think people. I don't think people if, between the utilities up, autos up, taxes up. I don't think people have the scratch for their discretionary stuff. That's why there's bars I know these be open till two in the morning or closing at ten. Yeah, the uh, the immediate impact on that pre-open uh, looks like seven eight percent. Yeah. So we'll see when the when the bell actually rings in another half hour or so. So I guess my question is, in terms of overall wealth of the economy, the, the story was because the market's up so much, and home prices over the last few years have been up so much. Certainly not commercial property in Chicago, but that the wealth effect. So many, so many people have so much money that if you have, I mean, Microsoft's going to go from one trillion to three trillion in what, eighteen months, two years. So I mean, it, clearly there's massive increases in wealth if you own Microsoft, Apple, I mean, you name it. Uh, well, not you name it. You need this. You name the seven stocks. So my question is, why doesn't anybody? Because maybe we think it's all okay. 
why doesn't anybody look at the at the degradation of the bond market over the last three years? Because clearly the the swing has been the other way on the wealth. But but it's since insurance companies and, and cities and pension funds can't necessarily sell it, there has to be a corresponding drop in I'll say I won't say wealth, but in equity in those areas almost as much is it the stock market is up, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah, it's. I mean, one of the one of the curiosity pieces is uh, you know is the market always seems to do these wily e. coyote things for, and, and so does the economy for fairly substantial periods of time before recognition comes. And you know, I mean, I in my uh, in my years of of being involved at a level where it matters. Uh, which you know, which goes back to the you know the 1980s and 1990s, and, and of course you know being a part of the the run up during the 1990s. Uh, <laughs> you saw it it towards the end of the 90s, the last couple of years. You're looking at this saying, "Well, these guys, uh, these uh, all these IPOs that are coming out here, and, and what's going on in the market? These guys have claimed the forward GDP of the planet on a, a factor of like ten times." <laughs> well, what do you <laughs> okay. think? The, what do you think the biggest eight stacks now have done? Well, I know, but I'm saying, you know, this is this is obviously impossible. All right, this is not going to happen. And but if you shorted it on the way up, they carried you out on oh, a shield, no doubt. right? Yeah, and so I mean, you know, and then of course, you know, that fateful day comes in the early part of twenty, you know, two thousand, and, and kaboom. Actually, and the it was, same actually thing it was two thousand and one because the Fed made it worse by pouring all that money in for Y two K. Right, and they, and they, then, they created well, the last little bubble. Yeah, and and then, but then you know what came at the the oh six oh seven oh eight thing, you know, is the same sort of thing. We had that we had the the first part of oh seven, we had the the Asian swoon, if you will. Yep. Okay. Um, and everybody thought, uh, you know, and uh, that's what woke me up from looking at, you know, the markets. Markets doing really good. Okay, you know, we, we're playing individual things. We're I was, you know, playing around with some biotechs and some other stuff. And you know, generally, though, I mean, you know, hundred percent long for the most part, except for the the little guys that I thought were going to blow up, and I was shorting them. But uh, you know, then we have that happen, and it's like, okay, where, where's that coming from? And you know, I start digging into it, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, these banks are are uh, you know paying out dividends based on capitalized interest, which is, I mean, that's a balance. It's on the balance sheet, but it's not money. It's not cash. Where, where the blank are they getting the cash? Because dividends are cash. Okay, <laughs> I'm like, where's the cash flow coming from? I'm like, ah, there's going to be a problem here. I don't know precisely when, but it was another year and a half. Before it all went down the toilet. All right. I mean, you know, remember when Bear Stearns blew up? Everybody, oh, that's localized. No, it wasn't. You, you know, you had the two hedge funds yeah. that that blew up in in the summer of '07. Oh, that's you know, ah, subprimes contained. You know, Bernanke's out there saying that. And then you know, and then Bear Stearns detonates, and you know, and Kramer infamously said, "Well, you know, I I didn't say to buy Bear Stearns. Yeah, you did. <laughs> well, we um, we actually had a, a client, uh, and you know, big client, and he. We talk about you know me being I'm, I'm perfectly honest with everybody if I make a good prediction or when I when one runs by me and almost slaps me upside the face and I let it go this guy you know he, he's all over the place his accounts here but he's he's not, we're not the only place and he had one of the he was in one of the original Bear Stearns deals that uh, I know my brother said boy you know one of our guys I'm not going to use his name. Just just lost a million bucks. His fund went under. I said, "What fund was that?" He goes, "It's Bear Stearns 
kind of offshore, kind of off-balance sheet kind of fund yeah. that they ran. And I'm going, how the hell did you do that? And he goes, yeah, it was some kind of mortgage interest thing. And, you know, and, and Dan knows the guy real well, but you know, we don't dig into anybody else's private business, and uh, right. why should we? And that's why people trust us. And and he and he, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, it never crossed my mind that something's wrong at Bear Stearns. I should just sell this place because I, the night they went under, um, I had a, I went to the Economic Club of Chicago dinner with Jim Tyree. I don't know if you knew Jimmy when you were in Chicago. He was ahead of Mesro. Uh, I knew the name, but I didn't Jim, know. Jim Jim was one of the most fantastic people I've ever met. W- w- ever met. He pretty much put my high school back on track when they were going kind of downhill. I think he's uh, probably the guy the reason Mercy Boys Home is still alive. Uh, but Jimmy died early of uh, cancer, unfortunately. And the night we go to this dinner, and Jimmy had one of those abilities, Carl, that whatever, wouldn't matter if 15 people were trying to talk to him, when he talked to you, you were the most important man on earth, and not very many people have that capability, you know. But he did anyway. So we're sitting there, and he goes, "I want to hear all about you and all about PTI Securities." But I got to tell you, today's a really rough day for me. And I go, "Why is that?" I mean, I knew the Bear Stearns thing had happened. He goes, "All right, four or five of my best friends have been lifers at Bear, at Bear Stearns." He said, "Bear Stearns was one of those companies that most of nah, I won't say all, but." Most of the stock in their 401ks was Bear Stearns. Right. He says, so these guys, they just, today they lost their retirement, their job. And, oh, by the way, they live in an area where, you know, half the people work for Bear Stearns. He goes, they're decimated. These are all good guys. Yeah. And uh, he goes, this is, they, the people that work there had no idea, Carl. Oh, yeah, no. And, and you know, this is just one of those... <laughs> I don't know. I just I, you know, I look at the at the history of these things, and you know, like I said, I've you know, I've been through two of them. Okay, when and of course, you know, 1987. But I was I was a lot less, uh, you know, savvy because I was a lot more concerned with trying to make enough money to keep my head above water when 87 happened. And you know, I was a lot younger buck back then, and so uh, I wasn't really involved in investing. I was involved in having my nose down on the grindstone, and uh, and making the rent. And uh, but you know, but I've been through two of them, um, and and both both times, it's it was the Wiley e. Coyote thing. The gravity doesn't exist until you look down. Oh yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden, uh oh, all right. You know, I'm I'm 400 feet off the edge of the cliff, and so this kind of thing, I I see the same sort of pattern playing out here, and yet I see the cracks in the you know the cracks in the underlying data are there. You just have to look. They're there. And the the reverse spin of the dial on the trade aspect of things is the one and, and I think I think you've got people within the federal government. I think this this APEC thing and what's going on right now with Z and Biden and you know the administration and everything. There are not everybody in Washington DC is stupid. Okay. Well, a fair they, no- they brought all those people. They had, this thing with Z and Biden is very, very important, given the fact that we might be fighting these guys in two, three years. I got news for you. Elon Musk and the rest of these buffoons got no business in that room. In oh, and, oh, well, uh, Musk got disinvited, so this okay. is, that, that was actually, but but he got disinvited because of something he said about the the Arab-Israeli thing that's going on, apparently, and, I, and I'm, 
whatever. Yeah. I read what he said, and 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 frankly, uh, you know, everybody has to come up with a reason for outrage today. So you know, that was that yeah. was his. Okay, you know, have have fun, guys. Uh, go ahead and scream about this. I'm a whole lot more worried about the situation. You know, Z Z has made very clear that China's position with regards to Taiwan is that Taiwan is China, period. End of conversation. And that we haven't gone in there and rolled tanks is simply because we know what happens if we blow up the, you know, if we kill the goose that lays the golden eggs, uh, we die too. And, and oh, by the way, all that stuff's over there and we need to have people that run it. Uh, you you can't just go play. Let's let's be invaders and have everything stay as it is. That's not how wars work. And he knows that. He's not stupid. Um, but what I see coming, and I see the evidence in the data already, is that the capacity to expand foreign transit is exhausted. It's run its course. It's not that we made a policy mistake. It's not that something went wrong. It's not something we can fix. It's just out of gas. There isn't any more. That doesn't mean it's going to collapse. It just means it isn't going to increase. Okay? And so, that's fine. However, that means that the crank that allowed us to sequester inflationary impulses over the last 20 years is gone. I would agree. Carl, we got a dash, but if uh, if it turns out, we don't have a show next Friday, if I have a producer, I'll do it, because i got to come in, we're open, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll try and sneak you in another day if you can, because I can't go a week without my Carl fix. I will certainly be around. SP Futures up 9, NASDAQ Futures down 5. I'll uh, be back on Monday, Stacks and Jacks. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.